This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast this week. Um, very excited to bring you um, a really cool topic and, and one that maybe we've been holding under uh, the cap for a little bit, um, just kind of letting things develop. And now it's kind of time to open up the can. Um, maybe the title of this podcast got you excited, caught your attention. You said, say what? How could something be undiscovered in Iowa? Well, we're going to go through that today, um, and, and we've got a special guest with us, and he is a land specialist for Whitetail Properties, um, Garrett Armstrong. Um, grown to know him over the past couple of um, months, and well, I guess roughly probably about a year now, and uh, anyhow, it, great relationship there, great guy, very knowledgeable, professional, um, it, not just as a land specialist, in Iowa, but also as a hunter. Um, he is a landowner managing his own ground and um, doing a fantastic job. So if you want to see some of that success that he's had um, managing and hunting, there's lots of videos with Garrett on the Whitetail Properties YouTube page um, that you guys can check out. But um, in addition to kind of revealing a secret, we've got another opportunity at the end of the podcast that you're going to hear about um, Brenton, um, who has been on this podcast before talking about the property Burr Oaks Bluff, um, we're, we're essentially at the point, a time where turning over the reins to Garrett as a land specialist in this region to put the property up for sale. So um, it has been through uh, the, the ringer of habitat manipulation of the past couple of years and, and, and executed very well from Brenton and his team. And so uh, we're, we're super excited to be a, a small part of it. Um, but you're going to learn more information about it as a property and have the ability to go and check out the listing and uh, just kind of what that property looks like by the end of this podcast. So uh, without further ado, let's just bring Garrett on into the conversation and uh, we'll learn more about Iowa. All righty, Garrett, are you there? I'm here, Matt. Man, man, I appreciate you taking time to uh, to join us here on the Land and Legacy podcast. Um, you know, we got, we got a lot of cool things to talk about, um, you know, Western Iowa, which is a with a, a kind of a growing to be a special place in in our heart here at Land and Legacy, um, but then also Whitetail Properties. We got property specifics, Baroque's Bluff to talk about. So you know mm -hmm. we're we're gonna have a cool little half hour here of chatting about um, Iowa and what you do. So um, give us a little background here of uh, of Garrett Armstrong and and what you do with Whitetail. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So uh, I started uh, with Whitetail in, in 2015, uh, and that was after my wife and I uh, moved back to Iowa. We were living in western New York at the time. Oh. Um, my wife is from western Iowa. She's from Guthrie County, which is uh, just west of the Des Moines area, about 45 minutes or so. And obviously that's a special place 
for her growing up in a small town in, in rural Iowa and, and suits my lifestyle and my passions very well too. So I'm sure she had kinda, to, I'm sure she had to twist your arm. Do you really uh, want to move back to Western Iowa? <laughs> right. I know. Right. I know. When I made that announcement to friends and family, like everybody just laughed. Like they, they knew, they knew it. Like, yeah. Oh, so there's, there's definitely some, some nice, nice benefits that, that came along with, that's with moving, funny. you know, from New York or from Michigan where I originally grew up to Iowa. Now sure. I'm in like the sweet spot. So, <laughs> You've done well, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, so we live, uh, we live in Western Iowa and for whitetail properties, I, I pretty much work a, a pretty large territory almost from like, if you looked at a map from like Des Moines Metro West, um, nice. all the way to the Missouri river council bluffs area. So anything Western Iowa kind of falls under my umbrella and, uh, I take the lead on, on all those opportunities. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And, and I know that you've had, you know, kind of a, a long career, let's say in the outdoor hunting industry, but through different facets and whatnot. Um, but, but what got you excited about being a land agent and, and, and selling land as a land specialist for whitetail properties? No, that's a great question. I, I think I think everybody kind of kind of makes these significant decisions in their lives at certain times. But for me, I, I've always been super passionate about land and land ownership and stewardship. And in the roles I had previously been in, the demands and the responsibilities were so strong that I, I couldn't I couldn't execute. I didn't have the time to be able to you know kind of follow my passion. Yeah. And, and manage farms and build farms and, and really spend the time I wanted. So I made a complete career shift. You know, when I left my last position, you know, we were 350 employees and so much of my responsibility was operations and, and HR and, and really getting away from the things in the sporting goods industry that I loved. Sure. Like the product development and, and research and design. So this was just a total shift in my career. Um, I had had multiple conversations with Dan Perez and Paul Sawyer about this transition. And in fact, a lot of the whitetail properties agents don't come from a real estate background. A lot of mm-hmm. them actually come from an outdoor industry background. Um, so it was an, it was a pretty easy transition uh, once, once we moved and got settled in Iowa and uh, there's just no looking back since there. We've just been continuing to, to grow and build the business and grow with whitetail properties. Man, that's awesome. That is, that's awesome. And, and I, to kind of piggyback on that, I, I think that I was a little bit shocked learning more about whitetail properties and their agents, the backgrounds that they do have. Like I said, a lot of them, man, they're just very passionate, driven outdoorsmen themselves. Um, but but some may have a sales background, but others may mm-hmm. not. And they just, um, they make this thing work because it is passion driven. And so, you know, it's not hard to put in that extra effort for clients or for, um, you know, making the sale actually happen because, and they see that vision, they share the dream of, of owning land. Many of them do own their own parcels and are managing it. So, you know, being a kind of a catalyst for new landowners to um, get them in that same opportunity, uh, they, they, they work hard. And I know that you, you do the same too. So, um, yeah. you know, kind of, one of the one of the big things I want to cover today on the podcast is 
some opportunities that Iowa does present because I think that obviously from from most folks listening, Iowa is is this like kind of mecca from a deer hunting standpoint, rightfully so. But it mm-hmm. almost seems like um, a lot of people view it as like this untouchable um, kind of, oh, I can't ever get my foot in the door. I'm, you know, I can't move residency and so on and so forth. And, and um, you know, there, there's the, the southern counties and, and that's, that's what makes Iowa, Iowa. But, um, you know, we've had the, the ability to work throughout a lot of different portions of the state. You're, you live and work in a lot of different portions of the state and know it very intimately. Um, so you have a unique perspective on the state and its opportunities as well. So um, as we talk about um, Iowa as a whole, we kind of eventually want to zone in, let's say, on zone three. So as you're mm-hmm. talking about it, kind of break down the states and, and its hunting opportunities across the board, and then we'll end up and and talking a little bit more about zone three. Sure, sure. So to, to your point, I mean, the the state is broken up into, into different regions, and there's so much, you know, whether it be on TV or online about Iowa hunting. I mean, every major television show, right, is that, you know, drawing a coveted non-resident tag to be able to hunt in Iowa is is, is at the top of, of everybody's list. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the quality hunting, you know, traditionally has always been focused on kind of south central and southeast Iowa. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at how the state is broken down with its land use, that is where the majority of our timber is it's rougher ground, maybe not as much in agriculture practices. And if it is, it's in, you know, hay or pasture, right. Um, you get North of I 80, which kind of, you know, runs East and West across the state. That's kind of our, our flatter, more fertile farm ground. And there's not nearly as many deer hunting opportunities up there and deer populations are much, much lower, but sure. Southern Iowa has always been the focus and that's where a lot of non-residents, you know, apply for, whether it be zone six or five or even even zone four. But, you know, the I guess the secret that everybody kind of as a non-resident should start to think about it and, and start to take advantage of is really zone three. Right. Um, zone three has tremendous hunting opportunities, but the most important thing, it has the the highest and the best draw odds as a non-resident. Yeah. So, so what, what, what does that look like? Let's say when we're comparing draw odds from that Southern portion of the States, I, I believe it's maybe four and five zones, four and five versus yeah. zone three. And then talk about a little bit like the land use of zone three and how that may um, in some instances and in some portions of the zone may resemble parts of five um, and mm-hmm, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Zone 3 first. So sure. Zone 3 is kind of a, a narrow north-south running zone along the Missouri River. It's a it's essentially about a county-wide east and west and runs two-thirds of the length of the state from the very southwest corner up along the river. Um, that's kind of the area that's best known as the, the Less Hills area, which is a, you know, you've got river bottom tillable flat ground that just breaks into these really beautiful breaks of hardwood timber and and cedars with you know broken in 
tillable and ag mixed in. I mean, it's gorgeous, gorgeous country. It's, it's very and pretty, it's, very pretty. And it's, and it's loaded with big bucks and turkeys. So, mm-hmm. so the zone from a land mass standpoint or total numbers of acres is probably one of our smaller zones, non-resident zones in the state. But there's high deer density and a lot of opportunity. But the most important thing is when we look at the drawing odds, I mean, it's night and day compared to these other zones. Right. So zone five would be, let's say, like typical southeastern Iowa. This is Lee and Tiffany's backyard, right? Mm-hmm. That that zone for archery season, and if I look at the stats from 2021 draw, you had to have four preference points to even begin to draw a tag in that zone and and obviously there were some applicants that had even more than four points sure to draw but a minimum of four points to draw zone four which is the zone that i live in that would be one zone to the west as we work west from five um only 40 applicants with three points drew and it was like 329 with four points so three points minimum but four or more to draw that same area for an archery tag and now we look at now we look at zone three nobody drew with zero points 84 people drew with one point 91 drew with two points and then there was a handful that had higher points that drew obviously automatically with those higher points so now you've got a zone that with only one point you can draw a tag Absolutely. And, and, and kind of what does that, how, how do you begin to acquire points? And, and it's one point per year. So when you're saying, you know, in zones four and five, many people are waiting four, five and six years in between archery hunting, correct? That is absolutely correct. Yes. Yes. In, in those zones, you can, through the Iowa DNR, you can just buy a preference point. And mm-hmm. as a, as a non-resident, that's, I think it's like a $50 charge for a preference point. Right. Um, but yeah, you can only buy one per year. So to your point, yeah, if, if it takes five points to draw, I mean, you're, you're going to take five years between hunts to hunt Iowa and some of those other zones. Whereas you may only have to wait a year or two to archery hunt in zone three. And as a non-resident, if you let's say you're not a an, a bow hunter or you like to bow hunt but it's more important to you to draw a tag right. more often mm-hmm. in zone three whether it be if you apply for a shotgun tag either shotgun one or shotgun two or late muzzleloader in zone three you can draw a tag every year as a non-resident Whoa. it's the only zone you can do that in and and that that is shocking um, that the attention from a non-resident like this this let's say that untouchable type um thought process a lot of people have with the state here you have a portion of the state where every year if you are a non-resident landowner you can go in and hunt with some type of firearm Mm -hmm. annually what 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 is the gun like the shotgun and muzzleloader odds for the zones four and five if you wanted to um, forego bow hunting and you wanted to pick up uh, a rifle or a shotgun what excuse me a muzzle loader or a shotgun what does that look like for the other two areas yeah and the state doesn't they don't break down the difference between shotgun or muzzle loader tags for these stats gotcha. are all lumped together mm-hmm. but in in zone four and five um 
looking at these numbers, I mean, there's at least one year in between. So you'd hunt a year, sit a year, hunt a, uh, the you know the next year at a minimum. So essentially, then, if if that's the if that's the case, you're saying for the southern zones, four and five, you can bow hunt the same rate in zone three as you could gun hunt in zones four and five. But if you wanted to gun hunt in zone three, you can do it every year, correct? Yes, that's that's correct. Absolutely. Wow. So yep. so let's let's talk about then the the differences in land and maybe trophy quality. Because I mean, let's be honest. People are buying land as a non resident in Iowa. You work with them, so you can say yay or nay on this. But mm-hmm. but nine times out of ten, they're purchasing recreational land in Iowa to trophy deer hunt, right? That's correct. Yes. So so, what is the large difference then in zones four and five versus three from an opportunity and trophies? I would say, from a trophy perspective, it is negligible between three, four. And five, and, and I would argue that there's probably areas and pockets because obviously there's there's neighborhoods and there's certain oh, areas sure. of each zone that are stronger and, and weaker. But I would say as a whole, zone three is probably stronger than even a lot of the areas in zone four, and would rival or be you know equal to zone five. So you're not you're not missing out or reducing any opportunity from a trophy perspective, in my opinion you know, purchasing or hunting land in zone three versus four or five. Mm-hmm. So I guess what's your hypothesis then of why zones four and five have been so highly sought after? Why are the odds then if the um, percentages or opportunity to harvest same quality deer um, at a higher rate as zone three, why is four and five so sought after? Why do you think that is? I think, uh, I think there's a number of reasons. I mean, clearly there is a tremendous amount of cover and a very high deer population in those zones. Mm -hmm. So lots and lots of opportunities. I also think that's where a lot of our outfitters that attract non-resident hunters, that's where they operate for those exact same reasons. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of folks, you know, who own land and may have TV and maybe in marketing or promotion, those are the areas they hunt. So you always hear about Southern Iowa, Southern Iowa, Southern Iowa, you know, every time you open up a magazine or watch TV. So I think that's where a lot of the focus has been. Um, I think zone three in Western Iowa has kind of flown under the radar. Um, it doesn't have, it's not that it has a bad rap and that's why people don't go. I just think yeah. there hasn't been an awareness or a knowledge of the opportunities in zone three. Yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're spot on there. And I think another thing just from like a, a geographical standpoint of the state, um, you know, the, just the percentage of people um, who are deer hunters uh, in relation to Iowa a large majority of them live uh, to the east or to the southeast or to the south. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. when, you know, when they're looking for ground, it's like, how do I get into Iowa the fastest? Well, 
Um, if they're coming from those directions, then the southern portion, the southern tier, and the southeast portion is the quickest way to get in. So I think the percentage then of, of non-resident landowners um, who are in search of those tags, who are increasing the the preference points, let's say, over time, plus you, you throw on to the, um, the um, excuse me, the outfitter element um, mm-hmm. in that area. Now you've got this wow, we're, we're waiting a good time um, in between being able to hunt these properties. Um, yes. But I, I think I think all those reasons, what you stated, and then that geographical standpoint, kind of all tie into, again, just let's say relate strongly to the draw odds compared to um, zone three. I mean, not a lot of whitetail hunters live on or west of Iowa, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a proximity standpoint, um, Omaha, Sioux City, um, those are really big cities that someone could easily fly into and then get into uh, southern Iowa. I mean, excuse me, western Iowa, Iowa in zone three very, very quickly with, with you know, ease. Absolutely. And, and to me, if I'm a non-resident buyer of Iowa land and the difference is do I have to drive maybe a couple more hours across the state if I'm coming from the east or from the southeast Mm -hmm. to be able to hunt either every year with a gun or every other year with a bow, that extra drive is well worth it. As opposed to waiting four years between archery hunts. I I think that would be an easy sell. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. Because what I find too right now in let's say zone four where I I do a lot of business, Mm -hmm. I'll have multiple non-residents that may like form like a partnership like three buddies or four buddies they'll go in and they'll buy a farm and they'll they'll manage their preference points in a way where tom draws this year john draws next year Mm -hmm. bill draws the following year so everybody within the group is bow hunting the farm let's say every year but there's only one out of four hunters and that's how they're kind of managing their preference points to get their best bang for the buck but now if those same four guys bought a big enough farm that, you know, hunted all of them, they could, they could technically hunt it every year if they wanted to, or yeah. still take turns. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's just, there's just a lot of benefits from, you know, really looking at the numbers, looking at how the state of Iowa distributes the tags and kind of playing that game and say, Hey, if I'm, if it doesn't matter where my farm is, if it's got, you know, good income potential, you know, it's going to appreciate in value and I've got world-class deer hunting. Why not? Why not look at zone three? Yeah. Well, and, and I think that you bring up another good point. Um, but before I get there, I, I do, I guess, want to say since the geographically zone three isn't, doesn't cover as much land mass as four mm-hmm. and five. Yes, there is a cap on, or, or it's not the same number of tags that get out, but regardless we're looking at percentages. And as someone, someone would probably comment and say, well, guys, it's not as big as so many tags. But, but it's still a percentage is a percentage. And your opportunity is still your opportunity at whatever rates you're trying to go and, and hunt. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but going back into the land use and um, how that then relates to someone who might be purchasing a property, what, what kind of 
general return of investment would would most properties let's say in zone three that have the element um, based on the the rough ratio of tillable to timber ground to you know crp um, what does that generally look like like i guess let's say you take a you take a property that's um i don't know five hundred thousand dollars or something like that and, I, and I'm being like really rough, so uh, you know, yeah. don't don't have to. Uh, I'm not going to hold you to anything here. But um, what what does that generally look like on, on a property? Maybe you know, annual payment wise, but then what the property itself generally produces from income? Yeah, well, in in this question will be answered differently today than it would have a year yeah, ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, we've had a we've had a, a major appreciation of land value in the last. 12 to 14 months. So that kind of changes the return dynamic a little bit too. Um, You know, and I would say in zone three, I would describe a lot of the farms there as combination farms. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have, you know, a a high element of, of recreation. So, so timber and and let's say unproductive farm ground as well as row crop or CRP or pasture or hay. Um, Typically, I mean, these farms what we're looking at is, is, you know, appreciation from a longer term hold helps provide that, that additional value. Sometimes the return on these farms is maybe only one and a half to 3%, mm-hmm. which when you look at that investment, there are other opportunities in the marketplace to do better. However, this is a tangible asset that you can enjoy family. I mean, you can't kill a 180 buck with your bond portfolio, but you sure can, you sure can, you know, having a piece of land or a farm in Iowa. So yeah. the, the returns may not be as, as high as, as others, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the other added intangible benefits that come along with land ownership are, are hard to, hard to put a value on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one of the other things, um, two that I've seen from a comparison standpoint in, in zone three and then other portions of, of maybe Southern, um, Southern Iowa is that there is more farmland like cropland in zone mm-hmm. three than there is in four and five. And then the, uh, the payment rate, whether it be uh, CRP or whether it be rental income off the cropland is higher in three in the Western portion of the state than I see generally or typically in the southern tier uh, of Iowa because of differences in ground, differences in value. Um, yes. I mean, so even just kind of pound for pound per acre, um, you're, you're not sacrificing quality. Um, you're not sac- you're, you're increasing your odds, but then you might be increasing that return uh, in, in value. So, so when it comes to like, let's say price per acre then too, um, how does zone three generally compare to property and four and five on a per acre price? Yeah. So if we look at like the Southern half of zone four and five, um, those, as we, as we get, you know, that Southern tier two counties up from Missouri, those are going to be kind of where in the state our our values per acre are probably the, the, they're definitely the least. Mm -hmm. Um, as you get to, as you go north, and in this case, as we go north and west into zone three, you know, we've got highly productive soils. A lot of it is bottom ground, flat, you know, non-erodible 
um, highly productive, and, and those carry great values, and that's the land that continues to appreciate in price. Right. Um, the most valuable land in the entire state of Iowa is in northwest Iowa, so just north of Zone 3. Technically, the northern end of Zone 3 and, and north of that is where our most fertile soils are in the whole state. So those wow. are highly sought after, um, appreciate all the time, and, you know, make it make those areas extremely marketable if down the road if if you wanted to capitalize on the appreciation and your investment these are highly sought after farms that sell very quickly yeah. so you don't you don't get stuck you know you don't get stuck in a in a farm that that you want to be out of at some point yeah totally totally i think that's that's definitely some, some good, good points and we're not sitting here trying to let's say poo poo on zones four and five but i no, think I, I think i mean obviously they are fantastic and, and if you're invested in them um great but but at the same time we want to provide and, and showcase you know a really good opportunity from a recreational standpoint whether you are just trying to go and hunt public land or you're trying to purchase private ground and manage um there's some really really good opportunities when you look and hone in on on zone three, uh, it just does not get the love and attention, but has every opportunity and then some compared to other portions of the state. So, you know, you, you've got kind of the, the leg up on, um, you know, a, a lot of people being from that area, selling ground in that area. Uh, I'm sure you've had plenty of guys who have bought bought land in Zone Three, and um, you know, start hunting and seeing some fantastic results. You know, we're we're talking Boone and Crockett deer, 200 plus plus inch deer. Um, as I want to say, like a a norm, but it is it is very common to see that yes. when deer are getting to you know, four, five, six years old. I mean, that is expected. That is common if that age structure is built in, correct? A- absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and it seems like too, even we start seeing those bucks in those older ages, really good pockets of non-typical genetics, mm-hmm. some really cool deer that throw off some trash, Right. you know, come from, come from the less hills area. That is not uncommon either. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, with all, with all that being said, I know we kind of, we set up this zone three as maybe this, um, uh, sliding under the radar, but magical place, but, but we also have, um, a, a really cool opportunity to discuss a, a property that, um, that it's not like say, um, unfamiliar to listeners we, we've done some video content we've done other podcasts on this property but we're speaking about Burr Oaks Bluff and yeah. um, Brenton and his team who's been on the podcast talking about this property transformation um, now they're at a place where um, they've put in the work they, they've done a lot of habitat improvement on this property um, and improved the, the farmhouse the living quarters on, on the property and kind of positioned it to be um, a really nice recreational farm in zone three in and among the Lus Hills. And you, sir, are obviously very qualified professional to represent them in this sale. So why don't you kind of just talk a little bit about um, that property itself and um, kind of who who you envision being a person, or maybe it's a family or a group of people, um, to take ownership of this Burr Oaks Bluff, roughly 288 acres. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a. Uh, I'll tell you, it is your it is your 
typical beautiful Les Hills combination farm. You'd mentioned it's 288 acres, so it's a big farm. And with uh, the elevation change, you know, from one end of the farm to the other, I, th- I think these farms always feel much bigger, just because of the topography. Yeah, um, I do. But it's just it's just got everything. Um, you'd mentioned it's it's got a it's got a farmhouse that has been you know rehabbed and is very comfortable would make for an excellent, you know, weekend escape or hunting camp or just a place to go in the, in the summer, you know, even outside of hunting with, with family and friends, super comfortable, but the farm's got that, that really nice combination of row crop acres. There's uh, approximately 44 acres in current production between corn, beans, and alfalfa. And then there's a number of, you know, perennial food plots that you guys have established over the last couple of years on the farm as well. You know, native grass, less hills, hillsides, big mature timber ridges. I mean, this farm is just when we shot, we shot photos of it back in October in full color. Yeah. And oh, my gosh. I mean, this is like that mid-October, third week of October time frame. I mean, I don't know if there's any place I'd rather be than up on one of those ridges looking out over the bottoms of this farm i mean it is spectacular it, so, it, it really is like from from those view standpoint and, and and i can forget about deer for a second forget about hunting just that aesthetic appeal of this as you're looking across you know down into the big missouri river bottoms you're stretching out uh, miles yeah. and miles and miles across um crop ground you look back in the other direction and just these these wooded hillsides and what was a lot of kind of um, monoculture cedar that crept in into the grassland portions of these ridges has now been cut, burned off. So we're, we're getting and returning a grassland to um, these slopes and ridges. And, and during like sunset or sunrise, I was there one April morning and um, the ridges were just filled with birds that were gobbling. And I think there's there might be some video or audio in some of your, your listing um, uh, documents and whatnot that, that may showcase that. But, I mean, yeah. you, you talk about just a, like a, a, a beautiful place to be outside in. And, and that is essentially the Lust Hills. Again, I had a very fortunate um, opportunity with Brenton and their team to hunt in Zone 3 this year. And... I mean, I was successful and that, that is amazing, but literally from, if you're not familiar with it, just go and visit. Like th- there's a lot of parks and a lot of cool things to do in and around the area, but I don't know what it is about those hills and those ridges, but it's so, it's so like original and iconic to Western Iowa. Just being out there and in them, again, remove any deer aspect or any turkey aspect. It's just unique experience. Yeah, it sure is. There's a there's a like a Les Hills scenic byway. Yes. Kind of highway that runs north and south, kind of along the base of the hills, kind of on the western front, if mm-hmm. you will. And it's a it's a really cool highway. Just to to your point, just to be able to kind of experience the hills. There's a lot of history there, lots of little parks and stuff along the way that you can stop at, but yeah, it's just a it's just a really beautiful place that I, you know, I I think more people should be aware of and and know yeah. about. I think you're absolutely right, man. Um, it's great. It's a great opportunity. But I guess a little bit more about Baroques. You know, what what do you think from your overall evaluation of the property? Um, let's go back to that recreational potential. You know, yeah. when we're talking deer, when we're talking um, turkeys, we're talking um, fishing because there there's there's a pretty decent sized 
pond on it and waterfowl opportunities. What does that look like for um, that recreational, that new owner? I mean, this is a, this is a completely turnkey farm that has like full season recreation opportunities. And, and you mentioned it, you've got spring turkeys, you know, morels, shed hunting, transitioning into phenomenal fishing throughout the spring and summer. And then right into fall with giant whitetails. And, you know, there's the age structure on this farm is really good. You know, looking at what has been taken off this farm in previous years, or even some of the deer that neighbors have, have taken trophy potential is through the roof. Like, like the fact that there could be a 200 inch plus deer on that farm next year is very real um, very very real yeah very real. i mean i i just i've been going through all the trail camera photos that brenton had sent me as we're preparing the listing and yeah. there's just there's just a lot of really cool genetics and so much potential um yeah. you know that can that can be exposed from a lot of the the work that that you and, and, and your team's doing to improve that farm so it's just a really exciting property i think this would be one that whether whether it is one family buys it or a couple families or some partners go in and buy it together. There's so much opportunity that, you know, it can support, you know, two, three, four different hunters at any, you know, given time with the different wind direction setups and food sources. It's just ready. To, it's just ready to go. And, and it's really exciting for me. I mean, these are the kind of properties that I dream about working with clients on, you know, representing and trying to find them buyers and showing these farms. These are the fun ones because yeah. it's, it's done, it's ready. And I know that when that property changes hands, the next owners are just going to just fall in love with it and just have so much enjoyment and create so many memories out there yeah there, there's no doubt about that i i think you're you're spot on with it and, and it's been fun um for us to be able to to work on it with brenton and his team um just to see their work ethic in accomplishing and executing very large portions of the plan in a short amount of time and then the devotion to you know prescribed fire and just kind of preserving that that history natural history of the less hills but then having the opportunity just to get in there and smash some big deer and a lot i mean a lot of turkeys like we i'm fortunate enough to be on the the same uh cutty link uh system and i get emails all the time from burr oaks in the spring it is just non-stop turkey strutting in front of cameras like goodness gracious i love hunting missouri but um I could probably spend some time <laughs> up on that uh, on that property listening to those birds, but there are numerous turkeys, and then um, you're just really, really solid deer opportunities in that region. And it, I think it's I don't know the the neighborhood probably as good as you do, um, but from a balance of opportunity and timber, it's not like this just isolated pocket, but the the mix and that ratio that you kind of described earlier is very similar to neighboring farms. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you have just as much to gain uh, from, from the neighborhood as you're producing itself. So long-term, I don't think it's like a um, you know short-term go in there. Oh, there's a couple big deer. Wow. I think it's just a long-term kind of producer. Like y- you just never know what's going to show up, but when it does and it's at the right age, it's going to be big. That's right. That's right. And I think that's more of a reason, right, to to, to follow the plan and, and have a strategic plan going into it. It's like, this is the way I'm with my farm. And, and where I live, I'm kind of close to town. And there's mm-hmm. kind of these little sanctuaries. And it's like, 
what can I do to improve my property to want those six-year-old town deer to end up on my farm? Maybe it's <laughs> yeah. just late season, right? Sure. But it's how do you do that? And, and I think it's the same thing in, in on, on Burr Oaks is you guys have taken all the right steps to increase the habitat, the food, everything's there. So that farm will be the magnet. That'll be the mm-hmm. hub of the wheel and it'll start pulling these other mature deer off of other farms onto this one. So it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see what, what happens to that farm over the next couple of years and, and how it improves. And, and I think we all know anybody owns a farm, the work is never done. That's right. right. That is so no, right. Matter, no matter where they're at with following your plan, yeah. the, the work is never, ever done. And that's the fun thing, right? Oh, yeah. It's putting in that sweat equity and, and improving a property and making it better. Yeah, totally. And and, and that, to me and, and to us, and I know Brenton is cut from the same cloth, but, man, that just extends the opportunity to enjoy that property. You know, it's not all just, you know, kill, 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 or fish, fish, fish. It's like, man, I just like being outside and being a part of what's happening there and um, furthering, furthering the management plan and managing it or maintaining that quality habitat once the new owner takes um, takes the reins there is definitely, one, critical, but enjoyable at the same time. So, and, sure. and that's all outlined there, I guess, in, in that plan and report that goes along with the property. So it, it's going to be cool to see... Um, who takes the reins of it, and, and I'm, I'm encouraged. So um, if, if someone has questions about Zone 3, Garrett, how, how, I want to I give you an opportunity um, to, to you know, have them contact you uh, as, as you're a great resource for Zone 3, but also for where you work and live at uh, as well. So anything Western Iowa, Iowa-related, how is someone uh, able to reach out to you and talk with you? Sure. I mean, best way, you know, best form of communication for me is, is my cell phone. Um, it's always on, it's on, you know, pretty much all the time and, and feel free to call, you know, at, at any hour. Um, my number is, uh, 641-757-9156. Uh, you can text me at that number as well. Um, and we can set up a time to talk if that's the best. And, and you can always reach out to me via email too. Uh, it's my name. It's Garrett.Armstrong at whitetailproperties.com. So, yeah, love to, love to have any conversation with anybody thinking about, you know, Zone 3, Zone 4, Western Iowa. Feel free to give me a call. Fantastic. And, and if someone is interested in, in again, we're not, we're, I just I just want to showcase the work and, and honestly highlight Brenton and what they've done um, in the past couple of years. And so even if you're not interested in, purchasing Baroques, but you want to see the follow-up work that has been recommended on a property, um, how, how are they able to look at the listing and see some of the video and the content that's been produced uh, visually for um, this property? Because I think it's a great learning opportunity. Maybe it's someone who, who are, is already owning land in, um, in this portion of the state, or they're looking to get into this portion of the state and they kind of want to see, well, what's that response and what's that going to look like? How, how can they go and find that? Yeah, so the listing the listing will be on whitetailproperties.com, but it'll also be syndicated out to all the other kind of national land websites like Landwatch and Lands of America and Ranch and Farm. Uh, but Whitetail Properties is going to be probably your best mechanism to go to. Um, you'll be able to search by state, 
Um, in this case, obviously, Iowa and Burroughs is in Monona County. Uh, so you can search by county. And once that listing's live, Burroughs will pop right up. There'll be, you know, a great property video. There's going to be a, a secondary video that's going to be uh, essentially a, a compilation of trail camera photos and trail camera videos from the 20 and 21 season. So all very new Mm -hmm. uh, relevant photos so you can kind of really see the the full age structure and gamut on the farm right now um and then there'll be a, a number of you know very high quality photos of the farm the farmhouse and all the amenities that that go along with the property perfect perfect man i appreciate your time and um just just being that resource for um our listeners in Iowa and um and again just just appreciate and best of luck with um Burr Oaks and and all the other things real estate is a happening world right now so I know you're busy and I appreciate your time oh absolutely thanks for having me on well there you have it guys there is uh the the full disclosure of some secrets that Iowa may have had but not anymore um you know just looking at those stats of zone three versus four and five, um, pretty impressive. Uh, if you're a non-resident trying to get into the state, um, it, it's a great opportunity and, and some fantastic hunting opportunities. Um, it, giant deer, lots of game. And, and honestly, shame on us for not even talking about it, but zone three, um, because it is against the Missouri River, has some awesome opportunities for waterfowl as well. Um, so it, it's just a, a, a fantastic and neat portion of the state, one that I have loved and enjoyed, um, as well as Adam visiting and working in. So um, if you guys have any questions about it, let us know. But um, Garrett is a fantastic resource for that portion of the state as well. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to let us know um, what you guys think. If you've got any questions, send them in to social media. Um, and uh, leave a review here on the podcast. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll catch you here next week. Yep.